Good morning. Welcome to Christ the Cornerstone. Are you glad to be in the house of the Lord today? We welcome those of you that are worshiping online with us. Merry Christmas as we move closer to the Christmas holidays. Are you ready to worship the Lord today? In the room, online, let's stand together. We've come today to worship Christ, the newborn King. today. God, we've come to worship you and worship your son, Jesus, the newborn king, the baby in a manger who came to give his life for our sins, to live and to die and to rise again so that we might have life. So Holy Spirit, today, as we're together, we pray that you would move among us. Speak to us, O God. Move among us. Remind us of who you are so we can be reminded of who we are. We pray in Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Well, again, we want to welcome you to CTC. Thanks so much for being here on this weekend. And uh, again, welcome to those that are worshiping online. Welcome to those that are in the room. Uh, it's always glad to see, it's, it's always good to see all of you. 
And uh, so we just want to make you feel welcome today. If you're new, if you've never been here before, or if you've only been here a few times, we want to extend a special welcome to you. If you're new and you're in the room, uh, when you leave the room today on the left-hand side of the mall, as you exit this room is our Connect Central. We encourage you to stop by there. We have a free gift for you. And uh, you can talk to some folks from the church and find out about the ministries of our church, ask any questions that you might have. Uh, So stop by Connect Central and uh, pick up some of that information. Uh, Also, if you're a regular attender, that same thing. You can stop by Connect Central if you want to find out about small groups or any of the ministries that we have that you might want to get involved in. uh, You can stop by and uh, get some information. Your Connect cards are there at your seat. And uh, you can, uh, we really, uh, here's what the office told me this past week, actually a couple of weeks ago. They said, can you really stress to the people how important it is that we get the Connect cards filled out? Because from time to time, uh, if you come in, and this goes for those of you that worship online also, we, we want to know that you're here. We want to know that you're worshiping with us, partially because we have a team of people who make phone calls and send out letters to people who haven't been here. So you might get a phone call or a letter in the mail saying, hey, we missed you at church. And you're thinking, well, I'm there every week. But if you don't fill out a Connect card... Uh, that kind of puts us at a disadvantage. So I know it might be a little bit of a hassle for you to fill that out, but just write your name on it and whoever's worshiping with you and let us know that you're here today. Same goes for online. Uh, if you're new and you're online, there's an I'm new here button. It basically takes you that to, to that Connect card, and you can just let us know that you're new. On that Connect card, you can also give us prayer requests and praise reports. And uh, we, as we say regularly, we meet uh, on a weekly basis Uh, several times throughout the week, actually, uh, to pray over those needs. So uh, please trust us with that. And if there's anything that needs to stay confidential, uh, please let us know about that. And uh, we will make sure that we do that. All right? That's a lot of information, but did I do okay? Everybody good with that? So now let's take a couple of minutes and find out about some of the uh, activities that are going on around our church. My name is Lynn. Welcome to CTC and thanks for spending part of your weekend with us. We have a lot going on at our campuses, so we wanted to take a few minutes and get you caught up. As we approach the new year, we want to make you aware of some important congregational meetings coming up. First, we will have a town hall meeting on Sunday, January 14th at 12.30 p.m. at our Ellesmere campus. This meeting will be to further discuss the elders' proposal to join the Global Methodist Church. Then on Saturday, February 3rd at 2 p.m. at the Bear Campus, we will meet to vote on that proposal. Absentee ballots may be requested by calling the Bear Campus office at 302-836-2862 or emailing Gwen Montague at gmontague at ctcde.church. Absentee ballots must be requested by January 20th, 2024. Everyone is invited to join us on December 31st from 8 until 9.30 p.m. for a watch night service. We will take time to worship, celebrate God's faithfulness to CTC, and receive communion together. We also invite you to join us on that night for a family celebration potluck meal at 6 p.m. 
We ask that you please bring your favorite dish that is large enough to serve 8 to 10 people. To learn more or to sign up, contact Sandy Sturgis at 302-345-4551. We are looking forward to celebrating Christmas together as a church family. Our Bear Campus will host Christmas Eve services at 6 p.m. on December 23rd and at 9 and 11 a.m. on the 24th. We will broadcast live at 9 a.m. on the 24th. Our Ellesmere Campus will host their Christmas Eve services on December 24th at 11 a.m. and 7 p.m. We encourage you to invite your family and friends to be with us for worship at one of those times. Thanks for being here today. Our prayer is that you be feeling encouraged and closer to God than ever. Please let us know if there's anything you need while you're here. You can find more information about all of our ministries by going to ctcde.church. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram. Have a great week. So glad you're here this morning. Good morning. Good to see all of you and welcome online. We're glad that you're with us uh, today also. Paying attention to all those activities that are happening at Christ the Cornerstone. Ways that we love. We love God and we love others. We serve. We use our gifts and our talents and our abilities for the sake of the gospel so that other people may experience God's life-changing love in their lives. And we engage one another in groups and in prayer and uh, in supporting each other and learning together uh, as we seek to live life together as the body of Christ. That's what we do here at Christ the Cornerstone, and I hope that you are committed to doing that and finding ways, many ways to do that, many opportunities that we can use to do that. We also want to give uh, generously and to trust God for all of our things, and you've got offering envelopes or there's a way online for you to make an offering to the ministries of Christ the Cornerstone. Uh, in the, the ways that we are helping to change people's lives and bring glory to God in what we do. So you can make those offerings uh, here, placing them uh, in the envelopes or in the baskets uh, by the doors. We ask you to put your Connect cards in those baskets as well. Thank you for filling them out. It makes a big difference for the way that we just stay connected and uh, care for one another. So every time you're worshiping with us, please fill out one of those Connect cards uh, so that we so that we can... Uh, care for each other in that way. We trust God with all of our resources, and we have these scriptures that we want to say uh, say together. So I invite you to, to read this scripture with me uh, as, as a reminder of the ways that God teaches us to, to handle our resources and our finances. So let's read this scripture out loud together. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. Today's theme is, is being grateful in what we're doing. And we're going to have some singing time now, and then after the singing time, we're going to hear from one of the ministries that we support from Kelsey Stave. So that'll, that'll come in a few minutes and hear about her ministry in another part of the world. So uh, let's stand together as we return to worshiping God this morning uh, as I offer this prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for your presence among us. Thank you for calling us together this morning and for being with us. 
Lord, come and be present in these songs that we sing. Lift up our hearts as we lift our voices to you. What a glorious day it is, God, to be together with you in the house of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. It goes against everything that we know about kings and kingdoms to think about this concept of something called a manger throne. But even when Jesus was born in Bethlehem on that night, born as a tiny baby, he was already the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And so that's why this morning and every single day, whether it's Christmas time or not, we can worship the King on a manger throne. Amen. could have stepped into creation with fire for all to see, brought every tribe and nation to their knees. Arriving with the host of heaven, royal robe and crown, the rulers of the earth all bowing down.
Jesus, we thank you that we worship you today as the risen king. But it all started in that manger in Bethlehem on that night. When you decided to lay down your crown and come and to be born in a manger. And away in a manger, no crib for a bed. The little Lord Jesus lay down His sweet head. The stars in the sky look prophecy from Isaiah was fulfilled. You will bear a son and you will call him Emmanuel. His names will be Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. The government will be upon his shoulders and of the increase of his government and his kingdom there shall be no end. Thank you. 
Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. I want to invite the children, if they would come and meet with Miss April uh, down home. Let's, let's offer a prayer as you are seated. Let's offer a prayer for our children as they go to their, go to their group. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, wonderful counselor, everlasting Prince of Peace, we thank you, Jesus, for being present with us. Come, Holy Spirit, and be upon our young people, those who are leading them in these next moments. May your Spirit be rest upon them. We thank you, Jesus. Bless them, guide them, cause them to grow up in the way that is good and right and where you want them to go. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Good to see you. I want to invite Kelsey Stave to come and uh, talk with us for a few minutes. And uh, Kelsey, right, I got your name right. Whew. I don't know, all of a sudden I just thought, no, I don't have the right name. Let me go, I'm going to go here and get a microphone for you. And Kelsey, we made a commitment earlier this year to support Kelsey. She came, she grew up here at Christ the Cornerstone, and uh, she went to Hawaii. <laughs> Not on vacation, but to receive training. Isn't it nice when God calls you to Hawaii? She was only there for three months, though. And then uh, she'll tell you more. But we are grateful to, to have Kelsey with us. And she's got some good words to share with us about the ministry that God is leading her with. Thanks, Pastor Roger. Good morning, yeah. everyone. Oh, that was great. You guys are awake. <laughs> yeah. So, like Pastor Roger said, my name is Kelsey. Not to be confused with my mother, Kelly. Um, and Kelly and Jim, my parents brought me here, I think since I was six or seven years old, I've been coming to Christ the Cornerstone, so I just am happy to be home with all of you, this is where I grew up, I was confirmed here, I got my first job at the school here, and so the Lord has really blessed me before I was ever conscious of what he was doing in my life, he was working, and so I'm happy to see the, the children off this morning and to bless them, because I know that um, because of all of you, your obedience, that they are going to be blessed just the same way that I was. So like Pastor Rogers said, I reached out to him about six months ago because the Lord was calling me to quit my job and stop the ministry I was doing at the time. I was a foster mother and go learn to be an overseas missionary. And I had no idea what that meant or what that would look like. Praise God, it meant three months in Hawaii. That was, <laughs> yeah, I didn't know, but that was awesome. And so I spent three months training with Youth with a Mission, also known as YWAM. And we had lecturers that were flown in from all over the world to tell us about the nature and character of God, about the Father heart of God, to, so we could learn more about the Holy Spirit, all different things. We did seven weeks of lecture to prepare us to go out into the nations and disciple others and to continue to be discipled. It was a six-month-long discipleship training school. And so I spent the other half in Costa Rica. We spent three weeks in Costa Rica in San Jose at the YWAM base there. And then we spent about seven weeks in Panama on an island you can only reach via boat. And so I now am being called to go back to Kona. Oh, the, the misery. Um, <laughs> back to, to Hawaii to continue leading others in the same school that I just completed. And so this time I'll be at a different YWAM base. This base focuses on the unreached people groups, uh, mostly in the 1040 window. So they, inside of YWAM, they call this school Extreme Places DTS. And so I'll talk a little bit more about how I felt being called to the hardest and darkest places in the world. 
But there's three things that the Lord's put on my heart while I was on outreach, while I was overseas spreading the gospel. There was three things that the Lord really was speaking to my heart, and I just feel like I want to share those with you guys today. The first thing was the Lord spoke to me about his worthiness. He kept asking me over and over again, Kelsey, am I worthy? And that's because I would get a fever in Costa Rica, and I would just be miserable. It's bad enough to be sick while you're here at home with your heated blanket and your slippers and your tea, but when you're away from your mom and dad, when you're away from your spouse or whoever it is that takes care of you, or you're just on a very thin mattress and you look up at the ceiling and there's mold or whatever it is, you're outside of your comfort zone, that the last thing you want to do is to be sick with a fever. And so I'm asking God, what the heck? Why? You know, I've given up everything and you're going to make, you know, you're going to let me be sick and you're not answering my prayers for instant healing. So what's going on? I'm missing out on ministry because I'm here sick. And on top of all of that, my big sister and my brother's wife, they had babies five days apart. So now I have two nephews at home that I've never met before, and I'm like, if I take any role very um, seriously, it is as auntie. And so I am not with my my new nephews, and I'm sick, and I'm asking God, what the heck? Why am I even here? Like, the enemy is really using this as a foothold. He's saying, Kelsey, like, are you sure God told you to do this, to be away from your family, to give up everything you have, the comfort of your own home, to be a missionary, to tell people about Jesus? And so I'm really battling with that. I don't know. I have no idea. And my leader, he comes in and checks on me, gives me some medicine, and he says, yeah, the the base leadership here at San Jose thinks you probably picked something up when we preached um, at a home church in San Jose in a slum called Pavas. And something just clicked for me. Like, yeah, it's totally worth it. If the baby I got to hold all service so that the mother could worship And I got to hold a baby, so that's amazing. If that baby got me sick, like, totally worth it. So that those people there in that slum knew that Jesus loved them. That's absolutely worth it. And so then we move on. We take a bus to cross the border on foot from Costa Rica to Panama. So that was a cool experience. And then we got on a boat, and we took a boat to an island called Boca del Toro, which is just a party tourist island. So we backpacked all of our stuff to our next boat. And we got on another boat, and we took that boat to another island called Bastamentos Island, where we lived about seven weeks there. So our plan was to do a lot of children's ministry, to evangelize, to work with the Nobe people that live on either side of the YWAM base there on Bastamentos Island. And we definitely got to do those things, but we didn't really get to go do the evangelism to other islands or the service projects that we wanted to do on other islands because after being there for about a week, riots broke out in Panama City, and that meant there was no gas, no gasoline for our boat that would take us to get to these different places, including the grocery store and to get our laundry done. And so we found ourselves for three weeks kind of marooned, stranded on an island. Of course, we weren't stranded. The Lord brought us there. He knew what was going on. He's in control of all of it. But to us, especially me, I'm like, oh my gosh, how am I going to preach the gospel if I'm stuck on the island? And so my expectations really had to change. My whole team, I love kids, so children's ministry was amazing. And I have to say that because we were stranded there, we really got, in, and the kids couldn't go to school because their teachers couldn't get to school without gas. They, the Nobe people, would row um, out, dug out canoes. So if they wanted to get to town, it would take them like two hours. So 
Uh, we did get to hang out with the children a lot more, which was amazing and such a blessing from the Lord. And I believe really what he wanted us to do there. But for some of us, even me, I spent my whole career working with kids. So that's not what I was expecting. I was expecting to see blind eyes open and ears to hear and, and cripple people to walk. And resurrections, I mean, I really believe that the Lord can do those things and will do those things. But I really spent a time being humbled, for sure. And the Lord said, nope, just disciple to these children. These children mean so much to me. And to my teammates who can't stand children, that was even more outside their comfort zone. But we spent six weeks just pouring into these kids. And by the end of these six weeks, we shared the gospel with them. And every single child, I'd say 60 children, gave their lives to Christ. So let's just give it up for the Lord that that happened. Praise Jesus. Because it was when I was six or seven that... I started coming to Cornerstone, and look where I am now because of the grace of God. And so I am praying and that the work that all of you have done through me and supporting me, uh, that I got to be the hands and feet of Jesus to those children, and that they will grow up to change the nation of Panama that is in a lot of turmoil and dysfunction right now. And so again, we're all wondering, is he worth it? If we're just here preaching to kids, telling kids, like doing like little skits and crafts to kids, and letting them like get on our shoulders and throwing them off the dock and playing with them, is that what we've been called to? Is that worth it? If that's what we're being called to, to leave our family and be obedient to Jesus, is it worth it just for the kids? Yeah, absolutely. Again and again, absolutely, Jesus, you're worth it. And so the other ministry that we had lots of time to do since we were stranded on the island was yard work. And I don't mean like picking weeds, I mean like macheting through the jungle. The YWAM base there is eight acres of banana trees, and apparently I'm very allergic to the jungle. I had no idea, but I was covered in what I believe is their version of poison ivy for weeks, just head to toe covered in poison ivy, in addition to parasites, in addition to more fevers that I got, and nausea, and all types of different things. And again, I'm wondering, God, what in the world? Like, you're calling me to go to the 1040 window where there's persecution of all kinds and I'm over here crying because I'm itchy? You know, like, yeah. And he's, again, Kelsey, am I, if you're sick the entire time, I've called you to be a missionary, am I still worth it? Am I still worth it seeking out the lost and spreading the gospel, telling them the good news of my love if you're away from your family just to talk to kids? Like, is he still worth it? And again, I'm sitting there, I'm like, yep, you're worth it. You're worth it. It took me some time, but I'm coming to the realization over and over again, yes, Jesus, you're worth it. You're worth it. What you did to me, share, for me in my life, is worth sharing to everybody, even if it means being away from my parents, being away from my nieces and nephews, and suffering the entire time. Being sick again in a bed that's not mine, on a top bunk, by the way. He's worth it. He's so worth it. But I'm still struggling with this other thought. It's Well, I can't even do this. So how the heck am I going to go to places where I could be persecuted for spreading the gospel? If I can't even handle Panama, and I took years of Spanish in school, and I still don't know the language, but I know it a little bit, and you're calling me to learn, like, Hindi or something that I don't even recognize the symbols. How can I do that, God? I can't do this. You must have called the wrong person. There's no way. And he's like, perfect. You're right where I want you. And again, he humbled me. He said, Kelsey, you're not doing any of this in your strength. Obviously, you can't even stop scratching yourself. Like, you can't do anything apart from me. He just said, you're exactly where I want you to be. Because it's not in your strength that you do anything. 
We all know the verse where it talks about it's in our weakness that his strength is made perfect. And that's what he reminded me. is You're going to go lead these people, and you're going to say to all your team, yep, we don't do anything without Jesus. We don't do anything without calling the Holy Spirit to be here with us because we are incapable without him. And so those are the two things that I wanted to share with you that the Lord gave me grand revelation while I was out there. But then as I was preparing, there was one thing that he brought to mind, and that was six months ago I was here telling you all about how all I wanted was intimacy with the Lord. I was going on this adventure to figure out what it meant to be intimate with the Lord. And as I was doing my morning devotional, looking out into the ocean from the Panama base, the Lord said to me, Kelsey, don't you know that I want intimacy with you way more than you want intimacy with me? And that really struck me. I'd never thought about that before. I was desperate. What does it mean to be intimacy, intimate with you, God? I can't touch you. I can't feel you. I don't know what that means. And he was like, well, I'm here waiting. Just seek me and you will find me. And so those are the things I want to encourage you with today. Like, let's ask ourselves every day. I need to be reminded every day, like, are you worthy, Jesus? Of obedience. If, I, if you guys don't see what you're praying for answered immediately, are you still going to praise? Are you still going to be, be obedient to what he calls us to do? Are you still going to wake up every morning and read your Bible, even if there's no grand revelation, just because you are seeking intimacy with the Lord? Is he worthy of that? Because he's waiting for us to be intimate with him. Is he worthy of us seeking him? And in what ways, especially this season, are we trying to do everything by our strength? Are we trying to cook 17 different meals and feed all these people and host the entire family or have, see your son come to salvation all in your own strength? What do we need to lay at the cross and say, Jesus, it is not in my strength that I do anything. Thank you, Lord. So those are just some of the things. Like, he showed up in such big ways for me in these past six months. And it's because of all of you and your generosity. There's times where I'm like, oh, I don't even want to look at the bank account. I don't even know what it's going to look like. But you know what? Christ the Cornerstone had my back. That verse is so perfect because, yes, when you give, there's someone on the other side saying, thank you, God. You show up every time. You're worthy of me not knowing where my finances are going to come from because I trust you. You're worthy every time. And so those are the things I want to encourage you with. And when you think of me, or I don't know, your feet are in the sand, or whatever it is, you're thinking of Hawaii, please just pray for me that I would lead my students out of a place of humbleness, just devotion to the Lord, so that they can see and learn and grow just the way that the Lord did for me because of all of you. So thank you guys so much. I really appreciate you. Good last night. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to let you pray. <laughs> last night Kelsey ended she said I'd like to pray for you and I said no I want to pray for you I want us to pray for you so today I'm going to let her pray for us so uh, so let's go to prayer yeah. as, uh, as Kelsey prays let's pray Heavenly Father we come to you today just saying you are so worthy you're so worthy of us waking up early so we can be at 9 o'clock service so that we can serve at 9 o'clock service mm-hmm. Lord so that we can tell your children about you. You're worthy of uh, your praise always being on our lips, Jesus. We're so grateful to be here with you today. We thank you that you have a plan and a purpose for our lives, Jesus, today, this very moment. And Lord, we just ask that you would always keep our eyes fixed on you so that we could just see your worthiness 
that we could live a life that brings you honor and glory in all that we do, Jesus. Thank you so much for Christ the Cornerstone, their faithfulness, their obedience, and their love for you, Jesus. I just pray that you would set them on fire, that they would just have a greater and greater burning for you every day, Jesus, that they could see your hand at work all over the world because of their obedience, and they could see your hand at work exactly where they are and what they do every day, Jesus. So I pray your blessing over them. I pray your blessing over their children and their grandchildren, Jesus. We pray this in your holy name. Amen. 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 Thank you. Thank you. you. God bless. That ain't going to stay there. Wonderful testimony. Thank you. And uh, I want to ask you a question this morning, and it really kind of relates to all that Kelsey just uh, just described for us and the, the testimony that she gave to us. Testimony, that's a big word, the witness. that she, But that's what a testimony is. A testimony is a witness. You see something and you witness to it to somebody else. Kelsey was just testifying, was witnessing to us the power of God in her own life. Even in the midst of great grumbling and complaining that she could do, itching and scratching and whining and complaining and questioning God, why did you bring me here? Is this what you want for me? Is this the purpose of my life? It's so miserable. I wish I was back in Hawaii all the time. Whatever. She says, when you, if you pray for her if you got your feet in the sand. And I thought, pray for her if you got your feet stuck in the, in the septic tank in your backyard. <laughs> Just pray for her. It doesn't matter. So do you have anything to complain about? Uh, I want to, I've asked some people to pass out these little cards. So let's hop up. If you've you got these, these little cards, pass them out to your section. And on this card, I'm asking the question, what is your GQ? I'm not referring to gentlemen's quarterly. I'm talking about your grumbling quotient. How much of a complainer are you? Kelsey gave us uh, the, the testimony of many times that she could uh, that, that she could say, "God, this just isn't worth it. What have you called me to do?" So here's five questions. Flip it over to the side that's got the the questions on it, and uh, I'll wait so you till you get one. Sorry if you're online, but you can answer these questions in your own mind and uh, uh, write write down your answers. There's five questions. You're going to write down the answer over in the right column. Uh, on a scale of one to seven, and one means you strongly disagree with the statement. Seven means you strongly agree with that statement there, and then you put the little number corresponding to your answer in the right column, and then we're going to add up the numbers and see how you score on this little test. This is one of those things that probably doesn't mean a whole lot, but then again, it just gives you an opportunity to reflect. So the first statement is this. I usually share my problems with others. Is that, do you agree with that statement or do you disagree and to which, which degree do you agree or disagree? <laughs> I share, usually share my problems with others. All right, put your answer down on the right. I regularly express my negative feelings to others. Agree or disagree? Put your answer on the right. I focus more on causes of problems rather than their solutions. Do you agree? Is that true about you or do you disagree with that statement? In my, if my life was made into a movie, it would be more of a drama than a love story, a comedy, or an inspirational tale. Which is that, which is that for you? And the last one is others would tell me I complain a lot. 
Do you agree with that or disagree with that? So now, don't fill it out for your uh, Daniel and Christy. I see you writing your own answers, uh, writing your answers on your spouse's thing. Uh, so flip the card over. Well, add those five numbers up and see what your score is. And then we'll flip it over and do the grading. <laughs> so if, you, if your score is between 30 and 35, you are a major complainer. Congratulations. You have arrived at a place where you complain very easily, and it has become a habit for you, which means you do it without even thinking. It's the first thing you do. And it is time for you to do a no-complaining fast, to fast from complaining. You're probably going to need some help to do that, (laughs) because your inclination is the first thing to do is complain. All right. If your score is between 24 and 29, you're a complainer. You spend too much time in the complaint train. Get on the grateful bus. It's time. If your score is between 18 and 23, you're in the middle of the road. It's time to shift gears, focus on the positive, spend a little more time speaking words of thanks for all things in your life. If you're between 12 and 17, it's not much of an issue for you. Stay positive. You're doing all right. You could do better. If you're between scores between 6 and 11, you almost never complain. Keep cultivating and sharing the, that positive energy. Anybody get lower than 6? <laughs> or you don't want to admit it because that might be complaining. <laughs> and we're not going to complain about it. Or you don't want to hear the complainers complain against you. I, when I took it, I got, I think I got, I was in the, the, the middle range, 12 to 17, not much of an issue for you. But there have been times in my life when, when I got in the habit of complaining. And even as a pastor, I've told a story in, in messages about one, one leader in one of my churches looking at me during a church meeting and saying, you complain a lot. Okay, okay, that's a confrontation. And that'll cause you to stop. All right, if you want extra credit for these, Christy and Daniel just reminded, if you want extra credit, give this to your spouse and have them answer it about you. And then have a date night and talk about it. Woo. And then schedule an appointment with a counselor to have premarital marital counseling. Anyway, so we're in our series of our winter of contentment. And God calls us to a life of peace and contentment. That's one of the, the fruit of the Spirit is peace. And so we, we should expect to live in peace together. But as Kelsey was giving her witness about her experience being called to, to the, a foreign mission field, she quickly realized this is not easy. I've got a lot to complain about. I don't, I look at my checkbook. Thank you, God, for Christ the cornerstone and the backing that we commit. And and I look, thank you, God. And Daniel looks at the church's checkbook and says, thank you, God, that we can support Kelsey. And, And we say thank you to you for you looking at your checkbook and giving generously. I want to say this about Christ the cornerstone. If you don't know this about us, I hope that you have noticed, even though we talk about giving generously every time we gather, One thing that we don't do is ask you to give to specific things over and over and over. What we do ask you to do is give generously everybody to the same pot in the church. 
And our, our commitment to you, therefore, is that we won't come back to you and nickel and dime you to death for this project and this project and the youth group and the children's ministry and that ministry. and that. We'll ask you to donate goods and things, but when it comes to money, we want you to just give and give regularly and give generously. And out of that one pot, we, we take that and we support many people like Kelsey, so she is a, a great testimony of the change that you are making in the world for the sake of Jesus Christ. And we say thank you for that trust that you give to us, for the generosity that you give to us, and the trust that you're giving to God. So keep it up. Doing a good job. But all right, back, back to uh, our winter of contentment. God calls us to live a life of peace and contentment, but we know that reality in life, just as Kelsey was testifying, there are many things over which we can be discontent. So how do we find that contentment? The quick answer is we find it by trusting in Jesus Christ. Kelsey has witnessed to that also. And the peace that comes over her when she says, God, I don't know where the money's coming from. I don't know how you're going to heal me, but I know you will. And I find contentment in that. And, and, and she doesn't find, I mean, it's not a magical thing. Jesus is real. And he comes into our lives and gives us this peace that the Bible says passes understanding. It is beyond our own comprehension, the peace that Jesus gives to us through us simply trusting ourselves to Him. Trusting and then acting on what He calls us to do. And isn't that what trust is anyway? And I use this, I use this illustration. This is my favorite go-to illustration. <laughs> Either sitting in a chair. If I'm going to uh, trust a chair to hold me up, I have to act on that trust. I've got to put my weight on that chair. And if we're going to trust in Jesus, we've got to step out and act on what He tells us to do. And if we can't act on what Jesus tells us what to do, we're not really trusting in Jesus. So the quick answer is, our friendship with Jesus brings us this trust. Last week we talked about ways started talking about ways that we can experience this peace in our life and last week's theme was letting go and one of the things i said to let go of were your expectations and again that fits what kelsey just witnessed to she expected this she expected this she expected to be healthy she expected for miracles to happen she didn't expect to hold a bay infant in her arms and get a disease from it she had to let go her expectations and be willing to listen to what God was wanting. That was last week. So today we get to gratitude. You want to experience God's peace and contentment in your life? Practice gratitude. And if you get nothing from this sermon, then those two words, then you've gotten it. Practice gratitude. Practice gratitude. You cannot grumble at the same time, you're grateful. You can't grumble and be grateful at the same time. So let that be a test for you. You wake up in the morning. You move one leg out the bed. Oh, that hurt. <laughs> What's your next phrase? God help me. Or is it, oh, it's another day. 
Oh, let's get this other leg out here, stupid leg. Whatever it might be. You can't be grateful and grumble at the same time. Let's look at a few scriptures that kind of kind of show us about this gratitude that I'm talking about. The first scripture I want us to go to, just a simple, comes from Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. And, and it's Paul writing a, a letter to the Colossians. And it says, And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord and Savior... To accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior means that you receive Him into your life. Just as if I was offering you a gift at Christmas. You receive it or you reject it. But if you receive it, you didn't create it. You didn't ask for it, but you do take it. And you apply it to your life. It's a new pair of shoes. It's a new pair of pants. It's a new coat to put on. It's, it's something to eat. You receive it. You take it into your life and you use it. So when you trust, when you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you, you, you take Jesus into your life, letting Him be your leader. And you follow Him. That's what this means. So Paul is writing this as just as you accepted Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. So let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Paul mixes his metaphors. And when I was in preaching school, <laughs> if there ever such a thing, communication classes, we were taught, don't mix your metaphors. Keep it simple. But Paul uses two metaphors. He uses a, bot a metaphor from botany. And he says, and he says let your roots, like this poinsettia plant here, it's in its own pot. Its roots can only go so far. But let your roots go deep into Jesus Christ. Let all your nutrients, your nutrition, your spiritual life, that which brings you energy and life, must come from Jesus Christ, just as any plant puts its roots into the ground. And if the roots in the ground physically don't make it strong, but the roots in the ground allow it to receive from the ground the nutrients that are necessary for life. So in Jesus Christ, let your roots go down. I think this word let is significant too, because you have the option to prevent your roots going down. Don't like this poinsettia plant. Don't look at the church as the place where you live your Christian life. And so the church is like that the pot that this is in. And and you could look at the you could look at your activity in the church, for example, and and, and just say, Well, it's I'm gonna do this much, but on Monday I'm outside the pot. And my roots don't really go into Christ. They're, they're stuck in this pot on Sunday. But let your roots go all the way into Christ Jesus who will give you. And, and what, what the next metaphor that Paul uses is, is a building metaphor. I wish he'd stuck with the botany metaphor. A, a plant coming up out of that. Because out of that tree, out of that plant, whatever it is, is going to come the fruit that that plant was designed to create. Whether it's a poinsettia plant with bracts and flowers, and I can't tell you which is a leaf and which is a flower on a poinsettia plant, but I can from an apple tree. 
and the fruit comes. The fruit of the Spirit of God is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, love, gentleness, humility, generosity, and self-control. These are the things that come to us when we allow our roots to go down. Listen to what Paul says. And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow Him. Let your roots grow down into Him and let your lives be built on Him. Then, 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 cause and effect. When? When your roots go down deep into Jesus Christ. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught. And you will overflow with thankfulness, with gratitude. Not grumbling, but gratitude. Let's go a couple chapters later into that book. In chapter 4 of the book of Colossians, Paul says to, 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 to the hearers, devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. A thankful heart. You know, life doesn't change a whole lot, does it? Kelsey, again, Kelsey had this grand vision. She left her job. She was, she was running a boys and girls club in southern Delaware. A good job that she had. She was ministering to people. She could have said, God, I can minister to children right here, and I am. What are you doing calling me to, to some place that I've never been to where there are mosquitoes and diseases and itches and hot and suffering and boats that don't have gasoline? And I asked her last night, I said, don't you have, didn't you have oars on the boat? <laughs> well, we don't want to do this all day long. She looked at me and she said, well, your arms would work pretty good. Why didn't you come down there and help us? Life doesn't change a whole lot. Whatever we're doing, we're going to come across things that we can grumble and complain about. So what do we do about it? Well, we thank God for it. First Thessalonians, I mean, you know, these aren't on the screen, but let me just run through some of these other scriptures. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, Paul writes these letters. And that was one of the ways that he, that he encouraged other people. He wrote them letters. You know, we can still do that today. <laughs> or you can pick up a phone. Or you can send a text message. Or you can send an email. Or you can post something on somebody's site that is a letter of encouragement for somebody. And so Paul always began his letters saying something like this, We always thank God for you and we pray for you constantly. That's the body of Christ. We're here in this thing together. When you leave these doors, you don't leave as an individual. You're part of us. That's why we ask you to fill out the Connect card. Because we're connected. And we care about you even when we're not together. So help us help you help us. Help. Help. Whatever. Fill out the connect card. We thank God always for you. As we pray to our God and Father about you, we think of your faithful work, your loving deeds, and the enduring hope that you have because of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's jump to the book of Luke. Some experiences that Jesus had. And in the book of Luke, in chapter 17, Jesus heals ten lepers. And this is, this is what the Bible says about that story. It says, As Jesus continued on toward Jerusalem, He reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. Now, 
This is why I say the world doesn't change a whole lot. Because the, the rift between the area of Galilee and the rift between the area of Samaria continues today. The fighting that happens, we're still living in that reality today. People don't like other groups unlike them. This group refers to something that happened many years ago. That group referred to something that happened. I don't like you. I can't get along with you. And I can't tell you. Even this week, I've had conversations with, with several people about we're getting together for the holidays, but I don't get along with my so and so, so and so. People don't change a whole lot. What do we do about it? One thing we can do about it to be content is to be grateful. So Jesus continued on toward this, toward Jerusalem. He got to this border between these two, uh, the, these two bickering, these two areas, regions that were fighting. They didn't like each other. They didn't worship the same way. They argued about about, about their style of worship and the ways they prayed and they did things. And and, and in some cases we could say they're they're just being petty, but in in other cases these are serious things that they disagree about. And as he entered a village there, ten men with leprosy stood at a distance. Why? Well, because they were contagious. And they were outcasts. And they knew that Jesus was a Jew. And it probably didn't care to them. They all, there were probably Jews and Samaritans in that group of ten. And, and they didn't care who they were. They just all had leprosy. But they all knew that they needed Jesus. They also knew that they couldn't get close to Jesus. So they stood at a distance from everybody else. And they cried out these words, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Because they couldn't come to him closely and say, Jesus, I got this affliction. Would you help me? They had to stand over there together and shout, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us over here, over here. Do you ever feel like that? Jesus, I need you in my life. They cried out. And he looked at them. And he said, go, show yourselves to the priests as they went, as they obeyed, as they followed, as they did as Jesus told them to do, they were cleansed of their leprosy. After they chose to do what Jesus said, the healing began. Remember that. And then, one of them, when he saw that he was healed, he came back to Jesus, shouting, praise God. He fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking Him for what He had done. This man was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, didn't I heal ten? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this stranger, this foreigner, this outcast, this one who's not supposed to be here? There's room in the house of God for everyone. Let's go to the book of John, chapter 6. 
Jesus climbed a hill and he sat down with his disciples around him. It was nearly it was it was nearly time for the Jewish Passover celebration. And Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. He turned to Philip and he said, where can we buy bread for all these people? Verse says he was testing Philip. For he already knew what he was going to do. Don't you love it when somebody gives you a test like that? I know how you're going to get through this, but I'm just going to test you. I want to see you squirm and struggle. I want to see you sweat a little bit. I, want to, I did it to Linda this morning. She asked me to unfold a table for her, and I said, I said, I said, I said I'm going to let you figure that out. She, and then, then the next thing I look over in the mall, and there are five people standing around this table trying to figure out how to get this table unfolded and stood up. Thank you for helping her. Yay! It was a test. I didn't know how it was going to work out, though. I don't have that kind of... I just knew that it would happen. (laughs) Thank you for doing it, Linda. And thank you for helping her figure out how to get that thing. So Jesus looked at at Philip and said, said, Where do we buy food for all these people? Philip replied, Even if we work for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. Look at how we settle things in our human perspective. We only look for human answers. The only way we know how to feed people is to buy food for all these people. And Jesus, you don't understand how this world works. In order to get food for this many people, we're going to have to work so many days and earn the money. Then we've got to find a supplier for all these things. And you know, in our world today, we've got supply, supply issues. <laughs> They had supply issues back then, too. So Philip said, you don't understand how this world works. And Jesus says, you don't understand how I work. And then Andrew and Simon Peter, Peter's brother, spoke up, saying, there's a young boy over here with five barley loaves and two fish. Okay, now we're getting someplace. And then his next word changes the whole thing. But, but what good is that? He says. With a crowd like this. How many times have we said, okay, this is what we need to do. We got this much. It ain't going to do any good, so let's not do it. Where's our faith? Where's our willingness? Where's our obedience? Where's our trust? Jesus says, tell everyone to sit down. Get on with the task that I've given you to do. Don't worry about these other things. Look, I'm preaching to myself. I hear it. I hear it. (laughs) Get on with these things. And so they all sat down on the grassy slope. Now it feels comfortable. Okay, that's, that's contentment. At least he put us on a grassy slope. And the men, the men alone numbered 5,000. And then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks to God. Did you hear that? Jesus took that meager amount, gave thanks to God. And they all ate as much as they wanted. And after everyone was what? Full. Jesus told his disciples, now gather the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. Thank you, Jesus. One more story. How much time I got? Three minutes. 
Luke chapter 22. You're going to hear a phrase in here that should sound familiar, so listen for it. When the time came, Jesus and the disciples sat down together at a table. Jesus said, I have been very eager to eat this Passover meal with you before my suffering begins. I've been eager to eat this meal with you before my suffering begins. Jesus again knows what's coming. And he's sitting with his disciples. And he says, I won't. I tell you now that I won't eat this meal again until its meaning is complete, is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And then Jesus took a cup of wine and gave thanks for it. Remember, Jesus knew what He was doing. He knew the suffering that would be coming to Him. He knew the death on the cross that He would suffer. He knew the pain that He would feel. And He raised the cup and He said, Thank you, Father. And then He said, Take this and share it among yourselves, for I will not drink wine until the kingdom of God has come. And then He took some bread. And again, He gave thanks for it. And then He broke it into pieces. And he gave it to his disciples saying, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then after, this, after supper, he took another cup of wine and he said, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people. An agreement confirmed with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. I can imagine his disciples. They understood the Passover. They understood the first cup. They understood the breaking of the bread. But it referred them to what God had done in bringing the Jewish people out of Egypt. Because then they put the blood of the sacrificial lamb at the, at the doorposts. They understood that. And in the Passover, God said to them, Eat this meal. Eat it quickly. Because the angel of death is coming. That's what the disciples were thinking these signs meant. But then Jesus throws this thing about His own blood into this institution that they have. And they're, what? What are you talking about? My blood poured out for you as a sacrifice, but here at this table... Sitting among us as a friend is the man who will betray me. For it has been determined that the Son of Man must die. What sorrow awaits him who betrays me? Now, in their confusion, in their humanness, just like you and I, they hear Jesus' words, they began to wonder, and all they can think about is understanding this in human terms, and they began to say, who's going to betray Jesus? Which one of us is it? What are you going to do? And they started pointing the finger at each other and questioning, and then they don't get any answers from that. Then they start thinking about another. Well, Jesus just talked about dying. Which one of us is going to be the greatest and replace Him? Who's He going to choose? Is it going to be you, or is it going to be you? And they, they, they forgot about Jesus, and they started thinking about themselves again because that's what we humans do Jesus says 
in this world, the kings and great men lord it over people. And even though then they are called friends of the people, but among you, among my, among my people, it will be different. Those who are the greatest among you should take the lowest rank. And the leader should be like a servant. Give it up. Surrender. Find contentment. And following Jesus Christ. Grumbling doesn't get us there. But let your roots go deep in Jesus Christ. And you will overflow with gratitude. Let's take some time this morning to pray together as we finish. And I'm asking you simple questions, which, you know, I suppose you could go back to your GQ, your is it, a, is it a, a grumbling quotient or a grateful quotient? You decide. Think about your day-to-day, perhaps. You know, how many times, did, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of a, a joke, but it's a very common experience. Mom and Dad trying to get the kids together to come to church, and something happens. The shoes don't get tied right. Somebody's, somebody's too long in the bathroom. And somebody doesn't put the right clothes on or whatever. We're just trying to get to church. And the grumbling begins. What are you going to do tomorrow morning when you wake up? Are you going to be grateful? Do you need Jesus in your life to help you stop that habit of grumbling and complaining? He gave His life for you. Trust Him and follow Him. I know some of you too well that I look at you and I think about the situations that we've talked about and that you face in your life and I'll just stop there. <laughs> It's easy to grumble. Let's stand together as we pray. And I invite you to come here and, 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 and just give to God as we talked last week. Let go. Let go your expectations and take up the gratitude that comes through our friendship. Kelsey talked about intimacy with Jesus. And here we are with this. As the team comes and leads us in this last song. Let's pray together. If you want to pray with somebody, I invite you to go into the prayer stations in the back of the room. If you want to pray here at the platform, you're welcome to come here, kneel and pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your peace that you give to us. You make us content in everything, and we thank you for that. We are grateful, Jesus. Oh, Jesus, forgive us for looking at life from only human perspectives and not understanding that you are so much greater than this world. And so, God, in these, even in these moments, we turn our eyes off of this and we turn them on to you. And we say, thank you. Jesus, come into my life. Teach me to trust you and to follow you that I might overflow with gratitude. Wow, what a change that would make in some of our family gatherings if we go through those doors with gratitude instead of grumbling. Come, Jesus, speak to us. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. God, we thank you. We call on you to come and be all that we need today. Thank you. And you're all I want. 
every moment of our lives as we go from this place today Lord help us to learn to be content help us to learn to live in faith because of the grace that you've given us Lord we pray for our families and we pray for our relationships we pray that you would give us favor this week in the workplace and in our schools and as we go today God we pray that you would be the center of it all We worship you, God. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for being with us today and moving among us. In the name of Jesus, we ask. And everybody said together, amen. God bless you. Thank you for worshiping with us today. The altar is still open if you want to come and pray. Prayer stations are open if you want someone to pray with you, if you need someone online. Uh, Several more minutes, there will be somebody there to pray with you. God bless you. Have a great week.